This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org. I want you to turn with me in the Bible to the Gospel of John chapter 5. John chapter 5. And I'm going to begin by reading one verse. One verse. I'm going to focus on one verse. John chapter 5 verse 6. And I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. But you follow me in your Bible. And as you're turning, I'm just going to pray. Father, thank you for the wonderful awesome privilege of being in the family of God. And thank you for the local church, this lighthouse, this, this extension of your body, your eyes, your hands in Virginia Beach and around the world. Thank you, Father, for the wonderful pastors who have sacrificed so much and given so much of themselves to feed the sheep of God. And Father, we pray that every heart would be open, every mind receptive, and every ear undistracted in listening to your word, Father, for faith comes by hearing the word of God. We believe today that something good, something powerful is going to happen to every person in this place because Jesus is here today. And so in the precious name of Jesus, we pray and all of God's people shout out, Amen. Let me read this verse to you this morning. John chapter 5 and verse 6. Again, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says this. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Now, at first glance... This seems like a foolish question to ask someone who's sick and has been sick for 38 years. But it isn't a foolish question. You might think that every sick person would want to be well again. But that's not always the case. I remember several years ago, oh, I think it's been maybe more than 25 years ago, uh, I was preaching in North Carolina, and I was asked by one pastor, you know, would I visit and pray for a church member who was suffering with diabetes for many years? And, you know, as soon as I walked in the door, of course, he was, he was in a pitiful condition. But I asked him, do you want God to heal you? And he said, I don't care. Well, needless to say, you know, we prayed, but he didn't receive. Do you want to be well? Let me read another scripture to you. James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. This might be familiar for many of you. James 5, 14 and 15. It says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And their prayer of faith will save, or in other words, heal the one who is sick. Notice carefully this verse. It doesn't say, Is anyone among you sick? Then we should all just pray in faith. No, it says, let him call for the elders of the church. In other words, who? The sick person. Let him request the prayer. Many times the problem is he didn't call. We just barged in and started praying. I remember I read the testimony story of Smith Wigglesworth. He was a wonderful man of God. Went home to be with the Lord in 1947, I think it was. But uh, 
the wife of a sick man asked him, would you pray for my husband? So he went to the house, and when he walked in the bedroom, the man is lying there uh, sick in bed, he announced, did anyone call for healing? Well, there's only the two of them in the room, he and the sick man, and the sick man didn't say a word, just kind of sat there grumpy. So Wigglesworth came in the room and sort of declared again, did anyone call for healing? Not a, not a word, no answer. So Wigglesworth said, hmm, no answer. Well, I'll just sit down and we'll wait until somebody calls. So they just looked at each other for several minutes. And finally, the sick man kind of muttered out, I called. Ah, he said, someone has called for healing. And he prayed for the man and the man was healed. Are you out there today? Amen. Hallelujah. Do you want to be healed? We often preach this essential truth that healing is God's will. And it is. Make no mistake about it. You should be clear on that matter. Nowhere in the Bible did Jesus ever tell anyone who was sick, it's not my will to heal you or it's not God's will to heal you. Nowhere in the Bible, we never read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John where Jesus ever told anyone or where the apostles ever told anyone, God is using this sickness to deepen your piety. And since Jesus never said that and the apostles never said that, by what authority do you say that? Hmm? Healing is God's will. But it has to, it's not only God's will, it also has to be your will. Are you out there today? You're not going to receive something from God that you don't really want. God's not going to God didn't force you to get saved. He didn't grab you by the scruff of the neck and slap you upside the head and say, whether you like it or not, you're going to heaven. No, no, it's up to you. Jesus said, whoever wills, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. Well, God's not going to force you to be healed. Do you want to be well? Is anybody here today? It's, it's real quiet in this Presbyterian church. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me read the Amplified Bible, the, the older classic version of the Amplified Bible, because they have a new one. It says, are you really in earnest about getting well? Are you really in earnest about getting well? Why did Jesus ask that question? He's a son of God. Why did he ask this man that question? This man, if you read the whole chapter, chapter 5, he's sitting by a pool waiting for an angel to trouble the waters because then the first person stepped in got healed. Maybe he had been sitting there so long that internally he had already given up. I don't know. Maybe he just resigned himself to the fact that I'm, I'm never going to be healed. Maybe he still shows up every morning but it's just a, like a, a, a religious habit. They drop me off. Maybe he's just gotten so accustomed to being sick that he's just used to it and he's hanging out with all these other sick folk. How are you doing? Well, same, as, same as usual. Yeah, me too. You think you'll get lucky today? Well, we'll just have to wait and see. Hmm? Are you really earnest in your desire to get well? Many Christians are just like this man, sitting in church, Every Sunday, waiting for a miracle. Maybe they've been waiting so long and have been disappointed so often that though they don't want to admit it, internally they've given up any hope 
of being healed. They come to church because it's their duty, it's their turn to pass out the bulletins or or serve potato salad in the fellowship dinner. But inside, there's no real expectation that they're going to receive anything from God. Are you really in earnest about your desire to be healed? Are you here today? See, many people are not healed simply because their want to is not strong enough. Many people, I'm convinced, are not healed in the church, in the body of Christ, because their desire is just not strong enough. If you really want it, you'll do whatever it takes to get it. If you will not be easily dissuaded or discouraged, if you have to climb on the roof and bust a hole in the ceiling to get to Jesus, or if you have to push and elbow elbow your way through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment, or if he rubs mud on your eyes and tells you to walk across town and wash off and be healed, whatever is required, you'll do it. I said, you'll do it. Hallelujah. In other words, you need to be more than just agreeable. You need to be determined. You can't just say, well, if the Lord wants to heal me, it's okay with me. No, 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 no. You have to make up your mind. I am going to be healed and I am determined to receive healing. Is anybody listening to what I'm saying today? Are you out there? Hallelujah. Do you remember the story in the Bible of the Canaanite woman whose daughter was demonized, demon-possessed? The Bible says she followed after the Lord, crying out, have mercy on me. And in Matthew chapter 15, verse 23, it says, but he did not answer her a word. He completely ignored her. Most people that I know, and I think that you know, would have given up and just gone home and said, well, I can take a hint. I mean, you could at least have the decency to turn around and say something to me. You don't just have to walk away like you don't even see me. But she kept following him. In essence, in essence, you could say she prayed and did not get an answer. But she kept following him. I know many Christians who aren't following him like they used to because of an unanswered prayer. Hello, testing, one, two, three. Is my mic on? Don't look like that. So sad, looks like I'm talking about you. Praise the Lord. At least smile. No one will ever guess I'm talking about you. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Then the disciples said to Jesus, send her away. Come on, get rid of her. She's irritating us. Sometimes even well-meaning fellow Christians will try to discourage you, try to dismiss you, try to hinder you instead of helping you. But she kept following. Jesus then told his disciples, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. See, the problem was this case was outside the purview of his ministry. It was outside the bounds or the boundaries of his calling. That's why he didn't answer. See, the problem is this, if you look at it more closely, she came to him. See, how people came, come to Jesus in the Bible? 
That tells you everything you need to know. See, one time Jesus, one man came to Jesus and said, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And his answer was, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. Well, is he saying that he's not good? No, he's saying he's God. He's not just a good teacher. See? Anyways, so she came to him as if she was a Jew. She even said, have mercy on me, son of David. See, she's imitating the formula that she's heard others do. She thought, well, I'll just, I'll, I'll just follow the religious pattern. I'll just mimic and imitate them. But the problem is she's not a Jew. She doesn't have a covenant with God at all. And so she actually has no legal access to Christ at this time, you understand. This is before the cross, see. But... She came before him and she knelt down and begged for mercy. Then Jesus said in verse 26, It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. (laughs) It's getting worse. It's not getting any better. (laughs) Now, at this point, most everybody I know would have been seriously offended. They would have said, (laughs) Excuse me? Did you just call me a dog? I don't think so. <laughs> they would have turned, done an about face, and stomped out of there and started some Facebook page about Jesus, you know, discriminates against Syrophoenicians and things like that. But she, she said to him, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. <laughs> In other words, she agreed with him. She said, you're right, I'm a dog. (laughs) You know, the the fact of the matter is, every sinner, without the blood of Jesus, every sinner is a dog. Some dogs are rich. they got some big dogs, got some small dogs, but they're all dogs. In other words, you don't have any standing with God apart from Christ. You you, You have no merit whatsoever apart from Christ. That's true. And she said, that's right. You're right. I'm a sinner. I'm not e- I don't even have a covenant through Abraham. I'm a dog. But you know what? Even the puppies get scraps. Just throw me a bone. And what did he say? He answered in verse 28, O woman, great is your faith. Now see, that's what you want to hear. That's what you want to hear. O woman, great is your faith. And then he said, be it done for you as you desire. Her faith was so strong, it crossed over dispensational boundaries. Think about that. Think about it. It, it, This is before the cross. This is is before, before he sealed the covenant. But her faith was so strong, it crossed over dispensational boundaries. It's not even the time for the Gentiles yet, but that's okay. God made a way for her. Now think about this. Some people, you know, in the church world, they'll say, no, 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 the day of healing is gone and healing is not for us today. Well, that's certainly untrue. That's not true at all. And I think coming to this church, you know that that's not true, that, that this is the day of healing, just like this is the day of salvation. You might as well say, oh, this is not the day of salvation. God's not saving anymore. Well, the person that says that is a heretic. He's a heretic. 
No, no, this is not only the day of salvation, it's also the day of healing. But however, even if that was, even if, listen carefully, even if that was true, even if this is not the time, even if you're not the right person, your faith will make a way and God will heal you anyways. That's what happened here. Can somebody say hallelujah? Glory to God. So the point, however, is this. Great faith doesn't give up. It doesn't take no for an answer. And notice Jesus said, be it done for you even as you desire. You can't have strong faith with weak desire. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? You know, I have preached, Pastor David, I have preached in some churches, I mean in America, in India, I preached in some churches where I, I, I practically begged people sick to come forward for prayer. Practically had to plead with them. I don't see Jesus doing that in the Bible. I never see where Jesus is saying, please, I want to heal you. Please let me heal you. Come, I just want to lay my hands on you. No, 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 no. If you want it, you won't hesitate. Come on, I've I've been in many churches that say, well, if you want healing, come forward. You see people kind of, hmm. Well, well, even when those people eventually do come, very rarely do they ever get anything. Why? You got to think about it. You might as well forget it. Come on, is anybody? I wish I get a little help here this morning. Is anybody in the house today? Hallelujah. I said, if you, if you, have, if you really want it, you're not going to hesitate. Amen. Sit there and think about it. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So do you want to be healed? Now, many of you I know would say, oh, yeah, I do. I, you don't, you're preaching to the choir this morning. I, I want it. Okay. But wait a minute. We're not done yet. Not only does it take desire It takes humility. Oh, wow. I got three amens and a lot of blank stares on that one. Isn't it interesting in the Bible how often those who came to Christ for healing or for a miracle bowed down before him? Hmm? This woman, this Syrophoenician woman that we just read about, the Bible says in Matthew 15, 25, she knelt before him. So did the leper in Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, as well as Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, whose daughter was sick unto death in Matthew 9, 18. Even the madman of Gadara came running up to Jesus when he saw him and fell down before him in Mark 5, 6. The father, whose son was a, a demon-possessed lunatic, knelt before him and said, have mercy on us in Matthew 7, 14. It's interesting how often these people, they physically knelt down in his presence. You see, their outward action was an indication of their inward attitude. They bowed down before him to show reverence and honor to him. And also, they lowered themselves because in their heart, they they were humbling themselves in his presence. They They recognized their own inability to change their unhappy circumstance. 
so they threw themselves at his feet. As long as you entertain the thought that somehow you can be healed without God's help, you will never be healed by God. Let me say that again. As long as somehow in the back of your mind there's this thought that you hold on to that I can recover, I can, I can get well, I can be healed without God's help, then you will never be healed by God. Amen. He that would try to save his life would lose it. The sinner who thinks he can somehow save himself will never be saved. Isn't that right? Are you out there today? Amen. Let me remind you of something in the Old Testament, in the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 12. There's a story, you know, where King Jehoshaphat was surrounded. The Israelites were surrounded by a huge army that threatened to destroy them. And he prayed and said, for we are powerless. This is verse 12. We are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do. But our eyes are on you. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Listen, you don't know what to do either, so stop trying and faking it. God knows you don't know what to do, so you might as well admit it. <laughs> stop faking it. Oh, I'll fake it till I make it. No, you won't, baby. Just admit it. We do not know what to do. But that's not all. But our eyes are on you. One translation says our eyes are only on you. See, some Christians, what a pity they're not here this morning. But uh, tell them I said so. Some Christians have one eye on God and one eye on the doctor, on surgery, on chemotherapy, you know, on some, you know, new experimental drug. And that's why they don't receive. He said our eyes are only on on you. Are you out there today? I'm not opposed to medical treatment. I don't want to get sued. I'm not telling you don't stop taking your medicine. I didn't say that. Okay, don't. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, but put your faith and full confidence in God and not in man. And I think honest doctors would tell you that's right. I think honest nurses, my mother was a nurse, would say amen too. <laughs> Are you out there today? Hallelujah. Let me give you another scripture. Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 12 tells us that King Asa was diseased in his feet. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from physicians. And he died. He didn't die because he went to the doctor. He died because his eyes were on man and not on God. He didn't go to the great physician. Evidently, he didn't even bother to pray about it. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. So, it takes humility. Sickness is oppression. Acts 10.38 actually says that. Sickness is oppression. It presses on you. It weighs you down. It pushes you down. But James chapter 4 verse 10 in the New King James Version, James 4.10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord 
and he will lift you up. So he will lift us up over sickness. He will elevate us to a better place. But we must take the first step. We must take the initiative by lowering ourselves in his presence. See, pride will keep you from being promoted. It will keep you from being healed. And friends, let me tell you something. The worst kind of pride is religious pride. When you come to God, you may think you're impressing him by all the Bible verses you can quote. But may I remind you that he wrote the Bible? (laughs) He's not looking for just information. He's looking for fruit. Are you out there today? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. So uh, again, I was asked to pray for another man with diabetes. This this man lived in Nagaland, where my wife is from. He was the the father of one of our church members. And I think, Jeppy can help me, I think he actually pastored a church. Or I know he had a school, but I think he also pastored a church. But uh, so we went, we, we were asked to pray for him. And he was argumentative. I mean, you're lying in bed, you're, you're, you're not doing well, and then you want to argue with someone that's come to pray for you. What's to be gained by that? And in fact, I, I remember so distinctly he made this comment very quickly. He said, well, you Pentecostals, that's what, he, that's what he called us, you Pentecostals believe in this. This is not a question of like a church nomination. We're just talking about what the Bible says. There's not a Pentecostal Bible, a Methodist Bible. You know, it's just one Bible. Now, whether you believe it or not, that's a different story. <laughs> and we, we, we talked to him for a while, and we did pray for him. I know my wife will remember. And then we drove back to our house, you know. And as we were driving away, I turned to my wife, and I said to her, now, I just want you to know this man's going to die. And she looked at me kind of stunned, and, and, you know, we just got through praying, right? You know, it seems like that's not a good thing to say, anti-faith. Same thing. So I said, no, no, I just want you to know this man's going to die. And she said, Why? I said, he wouldn't listen. He, he, I'm just telling you, I'm, just, I'm preparing you so you don't, you know, get shaken by this. And a few weeks later, he did. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. However, earlier this year, uh, my wife there in Noglin, uh, I forget exactly what it was, but she, she became ill, not, not, so, not so well, and she had to be hospitalized. Yep, she was, she was there for, how long were you there? A week? A few, four or five days? Three days? And so uh, I was in the room, you know, visiting her, you know, be, you know, just sitting there next to her. And the door opens and in walks this woman holding a Bible. And she tells us she's the hospital chaplain. And evidently part of her duty is just to pray for all the patients. So she went over toward the bed and, you know, kind of briefly introduced herself. But then she began to pray. Well, have you ever feel this way? For just a, a moment, I'm just like in the back of my head, I wanted to tell her, wait a minute, wait a minute, don't you know who I am? You know, I, I am a minister of the gospel. I've been saved probably before you were born, sister. And, you know, and, uh, and I know the word better than you do. And, and, uh, and uh, we, you know, we have faith. We know how to believe God. So we really don't need your help. But see, at the moment, We needed God's grace, and he doesn't give it to the proud. Let me add, especially the religious proud. (laughs) Especially church proud. (laughs) 
Amen. So uh, she prayed, you know, for us. She didn't waste much time. She prayed. And it was kind of a real simple prayer. And when she got through, I didn't jump in there and also pray to kind of impress her how I could pray a better prayer than her, you know, quote more scriptures. I even quoted Greek and Hebrew. No, 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 no. What's the point of that? I just bowed my head and said amen and thanked her. And you know what? I think it was like the next day or so, Jeppy recovered and went back home. She's here today. Hallelujah. It takes humility. (laughs) And God will sometimes put you in these sort of humiliating circumstances to give you an opportunity (laughs) to be humble. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Bible says this. May I remind you in Psalm 138, verse 6. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. But the haughty, once again, what a pity they're not here this morning. (laughs) Just look straight ahead, sister. (laughs) But the haughty he knows from afar. The Passion Translation says, You, God, keep your distance from those filled with pride. (laughs) There's healing in God's presence. But we'll never even get in that place if our hearts are filled with pride. So we not only need desire, we need to lay aside even the slightest hint of arrogance. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Please sit down while I'm preaching. Don't run around the building right now. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. So by bowing down before Christ, these people were placing themselves in his hands. They were submitting to his authority. See, it wasn't just some kind of a posture. You know, the disciples didn't say, okay, who's next? All right, when you get in there, make sure you bow. Okay, who's next? And when you get in there, no, no, it's not just some procedure. They're voluntarily, willingly expressing by their actions, Lord, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. I'm here. I'm totally dependent on you. That's what humility is. I'm totally dependent on you. Now, sometimes when we talk to God about healing, he talks to us about forgiveness, just like Pastor David said a moment ago. That's that's so true. That's really good. Sometimes when we talk to God about healing, he talks to us about forgiveness. Sometimes we talk to God about healing, he talks to us about repentance. And you're thinking, Lord, we're not talking about that. We're talking about me being healed. (laughs) Sometimes you talk to God about healing. He talks to you about obedience. And you're like, I think you misunderstood me. I don't want to talk about that topic. I want to talk about this topic. This is about me, isn't it? (laughs) Isn't that right? Amen. But if you want to be healed, you'll have to submit to his word. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, I don't know if you uh, know... Uh, this, uh, this person, but uh, one of the most amazing testimonies of healing I've ever read was by a dear brother. He lives in Richmond. His name is Brian Wills. I don't know if you, if you know him or he's ever been here to preach, but just amazing. He, um, I think he was like a semi-pro tennis player. He was really into that. And he just kind of collapsed one day. They rushed him to the hospital, and he was diagnosed with a very rare form of cancer. And he was in John Hopkins I think, medical center. Uh, Some of the best and brightest doctors in the nation are there. 
And they said, there's no cure for this. In fact, the only reason we want to keep you here is maybe we can learn a little bit more about the disease before you die. (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) And um, he's lying there in bed, you know, and his mother, I think, came to visit him and she prayed with him. He was a Christian. And the Lord dealt with him about, I, I remember, two things. And this, I thought this was interesting. The first thing was the Lord began to deal with him. You're not tithing. That's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm not making this up. It's in his book. I read it. His, his wife gave me the book to read. Uh, he said, you're not, uh, tithing. And the second thing is he had unforgiveness in his heart. He got into a heated argument with somebody. I think it was a few months before or something. I don't remember. About something. And that's what the Lord brought to his attention. So he, he, he wrote a check in the hospital bed. He wrote a check to his church and mailed it. Had his mother or somebody mail it. And then secondly, he wrote a letter of apology to this person. And by the way, he said in, he didn't mention anything about I'm lying here and John Hopkins and I'm about to die next week. He just said, you know, please forgive me for, for that. I'm, I was wrong, blah, blah, blah. Well, they're taking him back for testing, you know, basically like, you know, several times a week, I think, or something like that. And when they tested him, the doctor said, we need to talk some more. And so they're all, they're all uh, huddled together talking and talking. And he's lying there on the, on the examining table, thought, oh, boy, they're getting ready to tell me that today is the day you die, buddy. We, you're going to go meet your maker today. But instead, they said, well, we don't understand it, but there is no trace of cancer in your body whatsoever. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? You know, if you went, and I'm not against doctors. Don't misunderstand me. I tried to make that clear. But if you went to the doctor and he said, well, I need you to buy this. Go to uh, Walgreens or something and buy this medicine. I need you to take it at this time and this time. And then you need to come back one week. Most people I know would go to Walgreens and buy. And they'd follow up. And the, here's the prescription. They'd follow it. Well, here's the great physician. And here's the prescription for your healing. And most of us go, that's not what I want to hear. I'll go find somebody else. That's why there's so, people, so many people sick in the body of Christ. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just nod vigorously or say, oh me, oh me, oy vey. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. See, folks, we love to preach. We love to preach at faith people. We love to preach Mark eleven twenty four. Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Ooh, glory. Hallelujah. And then what's wrong with verse 25? And, that means we're not through talking. Mark eleven twenty-five. 25. And, when you stand praying, forgive. That means, wait a minute, you're not done yet. <laughs> you're saying, I, believe, I, I speak to the mountain. I believe that I have received it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's just go home. Who wants to go to the cafeteria? And God says, wait a minute, you're not done. And... When you stand praying, forgive. Faith and forgiveness go hand in hand. Isn't that amazing that right after talking about moving mountains, Jesus would next talk about forgive. Friends, if you know the word of God and you have prayed and believed and you're not recovering, that means something is blocking your healing. And one of the main robbers of health and healing, divine health, is unforgiveness. 
And notice he said, if you have anything against anybody. That means it doesn't matter what it is or who it is, forgive. Don't tell God, you know, how you're justified in holding a grudge. Yeah, but if, Pastor, if you knew, Brother John, if you knew what that person did to me, you would understand. Okay, fine, I understand. And I also understand you're going to stay sick. You don't forgive them because they deserve to be forgiven any more than God forgave you because you deserve to be forgiven. <laughs> Do you want to be well? Yeah, then let it go. Actually, I thought this is interesting. I noticed last night in that verse, Mark eleven twenty five, 25, that I quoted, the word forgive in the Greek language means to send away, and it also means to divorce. So that means many Christians need to be legally separated from their unforgiveness. <laughs> they need to tell unforgiveness, you don't live here anymore. Pack your bags. You know, you can't even sleep in the couch. You, you're going to leave this house. We are, no, we are no longer married. We are no longer joined together. We don't live together anymore. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Anybody here today? I'm almost done, so relax. Somebody say, oh, I need to be healed. I need, I need to forgive this guy. He's talking too loud, too long. All right, so when they knelt before him, they were submitting to his authority. They're saying, I'm in your hands. Whatever you say, what we're, that's what we're going to do. And oftentimes what God tells us is not what we want to hear. That's why some people say, uh, I'm trying to hear from God, but I'm having trouble. Many times they have heard from God. That's not what they want to hear. I know from counseling many people, you know. Um, and sometimes it's not some big, big thing that's hindering us from being healed. Sometimes it's just a small adjustment. Just make a small little adjustment inside. Sometimes even God can just tell us something to do, just practically speaking, one little thing, and life will be better for you. I remember, I thought this was interesting. I did. Maybe you won't. But I thought it was interesting that uh, I read that, heard rather, that Kenneth Copeland, you've heard of Kenneth Copeland. Okay, he, he said some years ago he was suffering with migraine headaches, terrible migraine headaches, you know. And, I mean, he, he certainly knows the word of God, right? I mean, he's on television every day. I mean, he's been preaching for, I don't know how long, 50 years or 60 years, I don't know, you know. But he's, he, he's prayed, believed God, everything, but he's still got these terrible headaches, so he decided, well, I'm going to go out to some little cabin in the woods and I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray, you know, and I'm just going to wait there in God's presence until, you know, I get my healing. You know? So he, he said the very first day he was in that little place, something inside him seemed to say to him, it's going to whisper to his heart, stop drinking coffee. The first day, I mean, like, you know, the first hour. Something inside him seemed to say, stop drinking coffee. But he thought to himself, that doesn't sound spiritual. That's something that, you know, what angel would appear to you and say, thus saith the Lord, stop drinking coffee. Now, that doesn't sound, that doesn't sound spiritual. <laughs> that doesn't sound biblical. So he kind of dismissed it. And he went on, you know, storming the gates of heaven and just, you know, praying every prayer he knew and binding the devil and loosening this and pushing that button and pulling that lever and got nowhere. Nothing. Just the heavens were like brass over his head. 
And then after I think he'd been there for a couple of days or so, it kind of floated back up in his spirit. Stop drinking coffee. So he stopped drinking coffee and stopped having headaches. <laughs> See, sometimes we, we, we are, if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we become more religious than we realize. When I say religious, I, I didn't mean that as a compliment. You're not going to be healed because of your religious works. Don't ever think that if you pray long enough, somehow now you deserve to be healed. You don't deserve nothing. And when you're in that mode of thinking, you're pushing it further and further away from you. It's His grace. It's His unmerited, undeserved kindness and favor. That's, that's, why, that's why He heals us. Don't ever get into that little mindset. And then sometimes we think it's got to be this long, drawn-out process, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just one little word in your heart. You need to do this. I'll close with this. I used to have um, teeth erosion. Like the teeth, the enamel was wearing out on my teeth, you know? And it's exposing like the inner part, you know, toward the root and all that stuff. It's painful, you know? So I had to go to several dentists, you know, and they filled it up with, you know, whatever fake enamel, all that kind of business. And I'm asking why this happened. It was getting worse, you know? And so they told me, you know, you're brushing too hard. But how can you, I mean, I don't brush my teeth with sandpaper. How can this be, you know? And so they gave me, you know, this like super duper soft brush and this special toothpaste. And then they said, you're grinding your teeth at night. You're grinding your teeth. So they want to give me this retainer, oh glory, to wear every, this big contraption on my head. You know, you know, I can't sleep, you know, like a horse. I can't sleep like that every night. <laughs> um. So I remember I was holding a meeting in one particular town in, uh, in India. And it was so fun. I'd just eaten my lunch. And I, I don't know why, but then I said to the Lord, why is this happening? And something inside me said, stop drinking Coke, Coca-Cola. Stop drinking Coke. Now, that doesn't sound very spiritual. But I was at, in those days, I was drinking like several bottles of Coca-Cola every day. I mean, I would drink a two-liter bottle a day. My wife would like to testify, but unfortunately, we don't have time. <laughs> and um, so I stopped. I cut it down, and the, and the erosion problem went away. The, your, the answer to your miracle may be a lot closer than you realize. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, sometimes we want Jesus to, you know, spit in the ground and rub it on our eyes. Or we want Jesus to, you know, to pour oil from heaven on us. Well, you don't, you don't have a right to tell the doctor how to treat you. <laughs> that's, that's not the role of the patient. <laughs> Amen. Would you stand with me to your feet this morning? Praise the Lord. Can we lift up both hands toward heaven and thank God for the healing power of Christ? Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that his mercies are new every morning? And that means today there's fresh mercy. There's fresh healing mercy for everybody in this place today. Glory to God. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever? What he did 2000 years ago in Galilee, he'll do today in Virginia Beach. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on. Why don't you lift up your voice and just give a shout of praise in this house of the Lord? Is he not worthy? 
I said, is he not worthy of our praise? Is he not worthy? Glory to God. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We glorify and magnify your most precious name. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the immutable, unchanging word of God. You uphold and sustain all things by the word of your power. That includes us. We are sustained. We are upheld by your word, O Lord. There's a solid rock beneath our feet that cannot be shaken. It is the truth of Christ. Father, we thank you knowing that healing is indeed the children's bread. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you today that we have covenant access, not because of our goodness, but because of the goodness of God, not because of our sweat, blood, and tears, but because of the blood, sweat, and tears of Christ. Thank you today because of your grace, unmerited, unearned, unpurchased. We thank you for listening to this message. For more information, visit us at exceedlifechurch.org.